Hey everybody, welcome to Happy season three. Yes. Season three of New Let's Year. Read the Bible. Happy New Year. Glad to uh I was about to say glad to see you all, but all I see is Aaron across the table. He's glad me. to see me, it's okay. But I'm imagining you, the beloved viewer or beloved listener. <laughs> Sitting across the table from us right now. Uh, um, yeah, brand new awesome. season. Uh, if you're new, uh, Let's Read the Bible is a podcast where we take a deep dive into biblical topics in a way that's easy to understand. Um, and if you want to join along with us, you can go to YouVersion. You can download the Bible in a Year yes, reading plan. the American Bible Society. And if you come to the Grove, we have uh, PDFs on our website that mm-hmm. you can download as well. So, Or if however, you just want to find it from our website, you can go to grove.church, um, and then you'll be able to find a link to the reading plan there too, if you're not an attender, but you want to read with us. So, Exactly. Thanks for joining us today. Well, and welcome to the new year. This is session one, episode one, I guess is the podcasting term. It's true. So, so this year's Bible plan, uh, we've been... We start off in Luke yes. for the New Testament, start off in Genesis for the Old Testament. And so we thought it would be fun to kick off this new year with a character study of Luke, the person. Yeah, so that's the book we're jumping into right out the gate. Exactly. Um, as far as our resources go that we're using today, we have, as always, the ESV Study Bible, um, Logos Bible Software, and then we use the Zondervan Illustrated Bible Dictionary by J.D. Tuglas, Meryl Citeni, and Moises Silva, and the New Testament is World by N.T. Wright and Michael F. Bird. So yes, Michael F. Bird. That's a funny name. I didn't miss that. Apparently, well, Michael Bird. Um, he li- but, but F. Well, we like some people. Guys. I don't know what it is with the initials, but authors just like to do it. Like it's, if I wrote it's a what book, all the the high profile people do. If I I've, I've decided that if I wrote a book to sound professional instead of Evan Westerfield, I would be E. John Westerfield because that sounds more like professory. So yes, he's, you put your glasses up a little bit. But. And you would be like A. Elizabeth Den for yours. It's so true. It's very true. It's one of those. How things. did you know my name? Was, my middle name was Elizabeth. That's crazy. <laughs> Uh, it's actually Matthew, thank you very much. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Hey, in case you're you're reading along with this, maybe you're you know up to par where you should be reading at this point. Um, if you didn't notice this, you didn't start off in the book of Luke on in chapter one. Just so you know, you start off in chapter six or seven, I believe. Yeah, Which a little bit it? deeper in. I think it was. Yes, and here's the reason why. Just so you know, I I just looked ahead in the plan to make sure because we're going to be reading the early book, the early part of Luke, actually in December, which is the perfect time to read it during the Christmas story and season. So you're welcome for that. That was very strategic. I'm not sure if you know the answer to this, but hopefully we're reading about the resurrection around Easter. Who knows though? I guess Easter Ooh, changes though. It does. So it's hard to like nail Easter's, that down. Easter is my daughter Esther's birthday. My daughter turns one on Easter this year. So. Oh, there you go. Yes, April 4th. All right. Well, enough of enough of the chit chat, Aaron. Now we're Listen, get we've into... not seen each other since last year. Okay. That's not true, but we haven't done we've a podcast not podcasted since last year. Since last year. All right, so let's get into uh, talking about Luke a little bit. Uh, first section I have here is just kind of called Luke's credentials as a writer. Oh, I thought this was really interesting. So um, if you don't know, Luke is the author of the Gospel of Luke. Um, mm-hmm. That one you probably did know. Um, I but hope he's, you know. he's also the author of the Acts of the Apostles, so yes. the book of Acts. Um, so if you didn't know that, same author and of both of those And he writes them in books. conjunction. He writes... Luke, and then he runs Acts yeah, to so the same audience. It doesn't seem like there's much time between the two of them. They were probably actually like one complete volume that was just kind of divided up into two sections by him and sent over. Um, we'll talk about who he sent them to a little bit later as well. Yes. But there's uh, Theophilus is his name, but he's uh, he's also a major character in the life of Luke. And mm-hmm. uh, this is also kind of something that's surprising for people, but most of the, or the the largest chunk of the New Testament was written by Luke. So he wrote, I think it's 28% of the New Testament. Luke did? Yeah. Paul only wrote 24%. Ooh. So by books, Paul wrote the most. But if you're going by actual words, Luke wrote the most. Luke wins. So there Take you go. Take that, Paul. And then John is in third. So good consolation for John there. 
Um, anyway, after, after that, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about his background. Luke is, uh, is a pretty humble guy. You don't hear him bragging about himself in his writings. So most of what we know about him is kind of inferences that we uh, gain from mm-hmm. his writings and also references to him. Uh, we just kind of have small snippets. Um, but we know that Luke was well-read and educated. Um, the introductions of both books are widely recognized as some of the finest Greek writing in the first century, um, and it's the kind of elegant description of his work common among historical works. And so what you have is, you know, there's a style of Greek historian that Luke was very much aware of. Um, and it's, it's interesting because I was reading about how the beginnings of Luke and Acts start off in this very high form of Greek, and then he kind of brings it down to to be a little bit more readable. But you can tell he's he's kind of showing that he's educated. That yeah. He's like, he knows how to write this way. Um, and for comparison's sake, I thought this would be interesting. So this is the opening of the book of Luke. And this is all one sentence. It says, inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed the all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. So that's the opening of Luke. Um, here is the opening of the histories of Herodotus by Herodotus, who is kind of, if you know him, he's like the father of histories. He's like the most famous of the ancient Greek historians, but it says this. Uh, and again, this is also one sentence. This is a presentation of the inquiry of Herodotus of Halicarsus, which is made so that the deeds of mankind shall not become faded away through time. And so that works both great and wonderful, those having been displayed by either Greek or foreigners shall be without fame. And among other things, it will include the reason why they made war upon one another. So you can see like the, the vibe is similar. Like yeah, Luke, Luke is writing this historical book with with that in mind, that this is a historical work and he's introducing it in much yeah. the same way um, that you see Herodotus do it a little bit earlier. Yeah, so. and I think the audience that Luke is writing to, also be mindful, is they, in order to sound reputable, in order to sound, in order for them to be even pay attention, you have to be well thought, well spoke. Um, and so you see that in Luke, um, being a well-educated, int- intelligent man. Uh, was able to then speak to the right audience. And that's the beauty, I think, of all the Gospels. You see that the, if you understand the audience they're writing to, you then can get more into their understanding, their writing style and things like that. So, Yeah, yeah, yeah. if you know who the Gospel writers are have in mind, it makes reading, yeah. interpreting their books a lot easier as yeah. well. It, it's funny because when, when you read both of those, I felt like this like hoity-toity pompous guy when he was <laughs> writing. So not I that feel- you were hoity-toity pompous, but that the, the writers of those statements were. What would be really hoity-toity is if, I don't know ancient Greek, but if I knew it, reading it in Greek, just to, yes, kind of, that's just true. to pull it off. Uh, so, but speaking of Luke being well-educated, we also know that he was a medical doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that from Colossians 4.14, where it says, Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. That's Paul writing. So Luke is traveling with him at this time. Yep. Um, and he refers to him specifically as a physician. So there you go. Uh, Luke was almost certainly a Gentile. Um, I say almost certainly because we're kind of what we're inferring is that at the end of Colossians, um, Paul's writing and he goes, you know, here's this person says hi, this person says hi, this person says hi. That's it for the circumcised people. And then this person says hi, this person. So, and Luke is in the second group. Yeah. So we kind of infer from that or imply from that. No, infer. We infer from that. That Luke is, I get messed up on that all the time. I use the wrong words in different okay, spots. I won't tell anybody. Um, but we, in, we infer from that passage <laughs> that Luke is, in fact, uh, a Gentile. Uh, we don't know where he comes from or how he became a Christian, but I think it's it's pretty interesting. Um, the thought is that he has a, um, a really intimate knowledge of the church at Antioch, mm-hmm. even though none of the passages of Acts there are first person. 
Um, and he also has a really intimate knowledge of Philippi. Yeah. Um, and so what I've heard is that like, if you wanted to kind of just, and again, this is very open-handed, like who knows? For sure. Um, but you could say that Luke might be from um, Antioch and then he went to medical school in Philippi because there was a medical school there. Yeah. So I've also heard- It's interesting for sure. Yeah. But it's also it's also interesting to think about too, like he's not, he's not one of the disciples of Jesus. Correct. Um, and so he's writing these gospel accounts and he's not a disciple- which, which makes it all the more intriguing. And I like to, even to back up the Gentile thought, like he's writing to Theophilus, who's a Greek. Um, and so the audience is not the Jewish population. Who he's writing to uh, reveals a little bit more about him. He's trying to help Theophilus understand what he's been taught in the gospel of Jesus and does a very accurate, detailed account uh, for that. So it's just, it's totally. Yeah, totally Luke, Luke is very conscious, conscious of the fact that he's writing. Um, these are events that actually happened. Mm -hmm. And even like, you can even see in the, in your introduction when he says that you may have confidence in the things that you were taught. So he's, um, I want to be careful because like all of the gospels are very much like, these are what actually happened. But with Luke and with Luke specifically, he's writing to people who, um, were not eyewitnesses of this. Whereas with Matthew, he's writing to people like, Hey, remember that Jesus guy, (laughs) like this is what happened. Whereas, and that's the significance between him being not a follower of Christ, not a disciple in that regard, not if he's a follower, but not not a disciple in that regard. Not one of the one, he didn't know Jesus personally. Exactly. Um, yeah, anyway, so to to keep moving forward there, um, he's one of Paul's most loyal companions. Uh, we know from second Timothy that Luke was with Paul, even at the moment, so close to his execution. Um, second Timothy is written, I mean, seemingly weeks before, yeah, right before Paul dies. Um, and then at the very end of second Timothy, it says, um, Luke alone is with me, um, which is kind of a sad thought there, mm-hmm. uh, but it's just Luke and Paul. And he says, uh, get Mark and bring him with you for he's very useful to me, uh, for ministry. So do you think Luke was with him because of the physician background that he had? If huh. he's on, if he's on kind of the end of his life, just helping provide comfort and care. Anyways, never, never thought about that. I just thought about that too. Anyways. So there you go. But either way, Luke's there because he's a good friend. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and we won't blame Timothy for not being there because he was an elder of a church. So he's yeah. His own and thing Paul going sent on. him. Paul said, "This is your church. Go yeah. take care of it." So um, Timothy's not doing disservice. Yeah. So to talk about Luke's writings a little bit, um, there's some of the easiest in the New Testament to to date, um, and the reason for this is because if you read Acts, you'll notice that it kind of just ends abruptly. So it's Paul goes to Rome and the the whole third act of Acts um, is kind of this anticipation of this moment that Paul will go to Rome and then it just kind of ends there. So <laughs> yeah. it's like, so we know, um, and the last sentence I think is something along the lines of uh, Paul lived there for two years. So we know um, that uh, at the earliest, these books were completed within two years of Paul or two years after Paul arrives in Rome. At the very latest, they were finished before Paul was executed. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason we would say that is because that's a big deal. Like that would be in the book if that happened when, when Luke sent them over to Theophilus. Um, and so that lets us date it to probably 80, 60 to 62. Mm-hmm. So that's a pretty narrow date for for New Testament literature. Yeah, for ancient really documents, nice. yeah. And it's not like... It's really not that controversial. Like there's some people mm-hmm. who just like, they want to date things hundreds of years later, but if you're just kind of reading, if you're looking at the textual evidence, it's pretty obvious that this is about the time period when it's written. Um, and then Paul is executed in AD 66. So that would be the absolute latest that it would be. Um, but most likely AD 60 to 62. Um, and then the gospel of Luke is a great example of what we would today call investigative journalism. Um, and so, like we said, Luke uh, was not an eyewitness to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not. There's no evidence that he's in Israel during any of these things. Most likely, he's um, either what we would call like the God fears, like kind of, kind of like Timothy's mom, yeah. where they live far away. 
um, but he knew who God was, um, or he was converted by Paul during his um, during his uh, his journeys. I tend to lean that he's a God fear just because he has so much knowledge of um, yeah. like the Septuagint. Yeah, I would too. So, uh, which if you don't know, the Septuagint is the Greek translation of the Old Testament that was around in that day. So, yeah, it, just you know, fun but facts. more specifically, isn't the it's the it's the Torah. It's not the entire Old Testament, is it? I thought it was the whole Maybe Old Testament. It is. I think I'm, just, I'm, I'm confusing terms. Just kidding. Anywho, Luke is very knowledgeable about just that. So it seems likely that he probably grew up in some type of tradition where he's aware of the Hebrew scriptures. Yep. Um, so anyways, there you go. Uh, we think that Luke traveled and gathered gospel accounts from eyewitnesses and compiled them into his work. Um, and then given his dedications to Theophilus, both at the beginning of Luke and Acts, um, it's the, the relationship that we think that they have is probably that Theophilus is very rich and he pays for Luke to go and compile these works, um, which would also kind of explain why like for sections of Acts, he's with Paul and then all of a sudden he's gone for a while and then he comes back. Um, that could be when that's going on. Who yeah. knows? It also could be before he joins Paul in the book of Acts anyway. But um, yeah, so that's why we think the book is dedicated to him. Um, Theophilus is but even the title, like most excellent Theophilus and firstly, he has a good amount of wealth. Yeah. And so he might've just sent Luke off, um, go write these things, <laughs> gather the information. Luke does it. And because of that, we get the only account of the, of church history in the new Testament. Um, we have four gospels, which tell the story of Jesus, but we only have the one book that tells the story of what happens. I forgot um, about that. Yeah. What happens after Jesus goes to heaven? I mean, there's the, the epistles that we can kind of glean information from, but yeah, but not in the gospels. That's interesting. Exactly. I totally spaced that. I forgot. So, uh, there we go because of the gospel, because of this, the gospel of Luke takes on a very evangelical tone, uh, where Matthew seems to be convi- seems to be trying to convince Jews that Jesus is the long awaited Messiah. Luke seems to be trying to convince Gentiles that Christ is the fulfillment of their own gods. Um, and so you see this a lot with the sermons of Paul where mm-hmm. he just kind of says like the famous one is, um, is it Athens where it's the, the, the temple of the unknown God or the idol of the unknown God? I don't remember, but I don't remember. It's in one of those cities. We'll read it this year. So we'll remember. Yeah, we'll get, we'll get, we'll get there. Uh, but there's a famous passage yeah, where he sees the, the unknown God, uh, space labeled for the unknown God. Exactly. And he says, you know, I'm here to tell you, this is who that is. Yeah, it's and almost like Paul sees a wall that has all sorts of different gods for different things. And there's ones like the unknown God, because they were so fear. They were so fearful of missing a God to rever and respect and honor. Right. put just kind of a blanket universal stamp. And so that's when Paul speaks to that, sees that. And it's interesting too with Luke because, so with Matthew, he's writing to an audience that very much assumes that there is one God and mm-hmm. we worship him alone, right? That's the, that's the very, that's the core of, of Judaism. Um, and so he's not having to convince them of any of that. He's just having to convince them that the fulfillment of the Messiah that we've heard about is Jesus. Is Jesus. Yeah. Um, whereas Luke is, it's really interesting because the two thoughts in Greek society at this time is one, like the mythologies that we're aware of where yep. everyone has the, um, you know, the, in Athens, they worship Athena um, and, and so on. Like every city kind of has their own gods. Um, they have their own patron gods. Like if you're a sailor, you're worshiping Poseidon, all those different things. If you, if you like getting drunk, you worship Dionysus because that's, that's the most made up God I've ever heard. <laughs> it's just like, how do we worship him? We just get wasted in the temple. Um, but anyway, like all of that, all of that aside, the other thought that was very prevalent was also Greek philosophy. Um, and this is kind of the putting away of the gods. Um, like if you read Aristotle, for instance, his, his real idea is kind of like this unmoved mover. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Luke is writing number one to say these, um, this pantheon of gods is not real. It's the one true God. But on the other hand, he's saying um, this idea of eternal wisdom that the philosophers had 
that is also God. Yeah. And so it's it's this really weird because they're they're so different ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, and Luke and Acts are both t- kind of trying to bring them together. Um. And talk about who God is in that sense. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, and I think that's significant because, it, it, you know, if I'm being honest with you as a Christian who's grown up in the church most of my life and read the Bible through multiple times in my lifetime now, and at the end of the day, forget that what Luke is trying to do is different than Mark and Matthew yeah. and John. And they're all doing something different, but they're all saying the same story of Christ. And that there is significant nuances that are very applicable today. Uh, for us as we read through the book of Luke. And I think it's important to remember that simple reality that Luke is not just trying to c- convince people of the Messiah. They're actually, he's trying to, he's trying to bridge the gap between this higher power or another God. Yeah. It actually is the sovereign creator God, uh, a part of the Trinity that we believe is in Christianity. And so, uh, so that is significant and important as you're reading through Luke the, the launch of this year and at the end of the year two, that it's important to remember that too. Yeah. So there you go. Um, and then finally uh, with Acts, we get an even better picture of who Luke is um, because there's a bunch of sections that actually switch to first person. I believe in the past, I've actually said that the whole book switches to first person. Um, but I realized that that was a mistake to say because in chapter 16, it goes first person, um, but then there are still sections where it goes third person again. So for those of you who are led astray by my comments, I apologize. Well, so. they might not be following Jesus anymore. Yeah, that's true. They've, I'm they've, just kidding. That sounds so up. bad. That's a joke. Sorry. Sarcasm. Oh, man. Anyway, so uh, we get the, a great example of this is in Acts chapter 16. Um, so I'm just going to read and you'll, you'll see where it switches. So it says, and they went through the region of Ferga and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come to Mycenae, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus did not allow them to. So by passing Mysia, they went down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, come to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we got up to go into into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So all of a sudden, boom, you see like Mm -hmm. Paul gets this vision. So we know that Luke is probably coming up and meeting in Troas here. Um, but then it goes, and then we went, and then we went and did these things. So you'll see parts of Acts there. And so you, you get to see what Luke was involved in. Yeah. Um, you also see that Luke was very into sailing, which is kind of funny. So he was, he's, he's a <laughs> medical so enthusiast and a sailing enthusiast because it gets, it gets very detailed when you get to the accounts of like the boats and the places that, that Paul is going. Um, so there you go. And then Acts is, we kind of already talked about this, but Acts is a recounting of the, of the birth of the church. Um, Peter and John are the main characters for like the first act of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see, we see how the Christian faith spread through Israel, right? Mm-hmm. And so you have the, the sermon at Pentecost, which is a big deal. And then also in all these surrounding stories. Um, and then the main character kind of switches to Paul yep. and then we see how it goes from, Christianity spreading in Israel to all of a sudden spreading to the Roman empire. So he goes to um, modern day, Turkey, Greece, Italy, all of these places. Yeah. Um, he wants to go to Spain, which is pretty crazy to think about. So yeah. but basically all over the Northern Mediterranean. Yeah. You see in the book of Acts, the the fulfillment of even Acts 1, 8, you'll be my witnesses throughout Judea and Samaria, Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. You see that progression. And, it, and the thing that I love about it the most is that you see that it's not just hinging on one or two people. It doesn't hinge on Peter or John. It, it actually, God uses individuals to take on different different aspects of that that great commission, so to speak, to go into Jerusalem, but also go to the ends of the earth. And you see Paul, but you also see Luke, and you also see uh, Barnabas, and yeah. you see different individuals. So there is that picture that you see in the book of Acts, and Paul, or not Paul, sorry, Luke is doing a, 
a really diligent job to to present the right pieces. And he also shares his part of it. I, I like that too. So yeah. So finally, we'll just uh, end on a discussion of Luke's legacy. Um, it's mediocre. It's <laughs> just kidding. Yeah, I think Luke is it, Luke is incredibly important. Yeah. Um, with the New Testament. Um, first off, his books are so easy to read, mm-hmm. which is great. Um, because sometimes with like like Romans is dense. Oh so my gosh, you've got, Rom- Romans is rough. And there's there, I mean, it's so good, but so much truth there. Yeah, but you've got to read it like a sentence at a time. Yeah. Uh, whereas Luke is, it's very much narrative, yeah. so you can read you can read through it like you would a book, mm-hmm. just kind of page by page, going through, getting the story. Um, but like we talked about earlier, Luke is the only historical book that we have that deals with the church. Yeah. Um, and so much of our theology of the Holy Spirit is derived from Luke's writings. Um, not all of it, obviously, but the stories of what the Holy Spirit did in the early yeah. church. Um, if we don't have if we don't have Luke's writings, uh, there's a big gap when Jesus says, "Yeah, there's, it's a it's a huge gap." I mean, it's 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 massive. Yeah. So like, wait, what? It's it's something to it's something to really think about. And mm. then I would say even. Um, the tone of Luke's gospel is something that we would miss as well. Um, because I think with Matthew, you're so much focused on Jewish prophecy, which is really interesting. Um, yeah. And then with Mark is kind of just, it's like just the facts, like get in, get, get, in, get out. Here's what happened. And yeah. then with John, it's more about like kind of this intimate portrait of, of who Jesus is and like the, the emotions of the moments. Yeah. Um, it's, and, the, it's the divine side of Christ. Yeah. And you see that because John had this intimate relationship with Jesus. Um, but Luke had a very... Um, not mechanical, but very objective uh, perspective of Christ. Yeah, which is which is so unique and important. And he clearly understands that his role is as a historian mm-hmm. in this moment. And so he's writing, he's gathering all these different accounts. And that's why in Luke you see a bunch of different accounts that just kind of like, if you're comparing it with Matthew and Mark, for instance, it just diverges off on this one point because. And it seems clear to me that he had interviewed someone who said like, oh no, and this happened. He's like, really? And so he kind of writes yeah, it right. down and he puts it all together. So yeah, it's it's cool. I think I think Luke is really one of the more underappreciated biblical authors that we don't talk about as yeah, much. Yeah, for sure. Um, we talk a ton about Paul <laughs> with, when it comes to the New Testament. We talk a ton about, um, I would say John and Peter as well, but uh, Luke's Luke's works are incredibly important, um, yeah. and yeah, they take up the bulk of the New Testament. Yeah, as well. and I think I think they're very influential. I think we we un- no, again, I think you underappreciate the influence and the the perspective of Luke. For again, you got to remember what perspective is he writing from? What audience is he writing to? He's really just writing to Theophilus, but he's writing to an an entire Greek culture that is is needing to hear about the gospel and hear about this 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 man of who's Christ. Um, needing to hear that there is one God. Um, and so you, you really can start to see when you step back and wrestle through or process through this, his influence. You see his, his you know, the impact we've talked about, but the it's so vital. I mean, to us today to really understand the the birth of the early church in, in such a methodical and mechanical way. He did such a great job. You can tell that you can see the physician side of him. The, mm-hmm. the I, I think there was even, he he did some law or some kind of, um, uh, the high intellect you see in that his surgical presentation of the the biblical account of Christ, like you see it, and the eyewitnesses, and I just think it's it's so impactful and so important to to remember as we're reading through the book of Luke. To he was really really good, yeah. Um, and and even today he's influenced Paul. I mean, he walking with Paul, you don't just okay, Paul's in charge. You know that that, that Paul his. 
his theology was influenced by by Luke's account of Christ and things along those lines. And so I think that those are really, really, really. Um, I love that we started off this year with Luke, yeah, um, and and are getting her to read through some of his stuff. So. I'm with you. Well, hopefully this, this discussion was helpful for you um, as far as getting a picture of who Luke is. We'll be like we'll be spending a lot of time with yeah. the, the writings of Luke here in the next few months. So uh, hopefully you enjoy that. Um, and before we get into the Q&A portion today, I'd just like to remind everyone to uh, leave us a review. Yeah. If you like this podcast, uh, do us a favor, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or whatever app that you are listening on. It just helps get the show out there yeah, to more it's purely, people. It's purely algorithm basis. It's not egocentric, I promise. There you go. So and the other thing too, just so you know, and we normally do this at the top uh, of the podcast, but uh, we didn't do it this week and it's actually kind of more fitting, but we do, we love to take time to answer questions. Uh, and so if you have questions that have come up, even while you're listening, or we're discussing through certain characters or certain books or, or the whatever the, the, the conversation is that week, or as you're reading, we want to know those questions because we want to kind of engage with you in conversation. Uh, so we're shifting into the Q&A portion here of our podcast, uh, but we'd love for you to send questions and you can send those in two ways. One, you can send us an email at info at grove.church uh, or two, you can jump on our Facebook page and just shoot us a direct message. Uh, we are the Grove Church in Washington State. We'd love for you to take a moment and send us a question that you have uh, and we will try to get to them as regularly as possible on our weekly podcast. So okay. here's the questions. All right. So question uh, number one this week is Luke 11 is one of two chapters in the Bible where Jesus teaches about how to pray. Uh, when I was a kid, all the churches said the Lord's Prayer, but now only the very traditional ones do. Why has it gone out of vogue? Good question. And good good use of vogue. That was a well done, Absolutely. Well done use. <laughs> Thank you, listener. Uh, no. So like, I think this is actually a really interesting question um, because I think there's there's good reasons to not repeat it. And I think there's also bad reasons, um, if that makes sense. So I think to start off, I don't know how we're going to land on this. We might even disagree. I don't know. We will. Um, but we always disagree, Evan. I think that the, I'll start with the bad reason. The bad reason with repeating something like that is eventually it just becomes white noise. Oh, absolutely. Um, and so instead of, um, instead of becoming this prayer that we're taking to heart, it just kind of becomes words that we repeat. It's a formula we use to get an answer to get what we want. And that happens all, I think, check off a box. I think that's happened with, um, for instance, the word um, redeemed, I think. And it's not just because it's, um, we say it all the time, but I think because we say it all the time, <laughs> um, it's lost some of its power. And we don't actually think through the inference of uh, when we're singing, you know, the, like I've been redeemed or whatever it is. Um, it also happens, I think, with like Amazing Grace is a great example of a song that like everyone yeah. knows. And it kind of goes through this moment of like, Oh yeah, it's just this song until like it hits you again, yeah. and then you're thinking through like, oh wow, this is really powerful. Mm -hmm. um, Christmas carols are the same way, actually. I think like, um, well, the the Christ centered Christmas carols, yeah, you know, jingle bells. <laughs> so, yeah, like uh, <laughs> deck the halls. But yeah, like you think of like through like uh, like God rest you, Mary gentlemen is a great example of like when you sit and think about it, um, all of a sudden the words become new. So I think that's a danger of doing the Lord's prayer. Yeah, um, I think what's healthy about it is it really does give a great roadmap for the Christian of how to pray and not in the sense of like, because what Jesus is saying there is not when you pray, repeat these exact words. What he's saying is this is the, this is the tone that you should be yeah. taking. And so you know, if you kind of go through section, you know, our father art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So it's this idea of like honor God when you pray. Yeah. Um, don't just make it about things that you want. Don't just make it about. You're remembering his authority. You're remembering who he is. Mm -hmm. And if I remember it's, it's like coming when I was a, as a kid, if I'm going to come before my dad, I'm not going to say, give me what I want. Like it's, hey, dad, like I immediately recognize who he is yep. as the supreme authority in my life as a child. And so when we when we come before God by saying, hallowed be your name, we recognize that God, you're holy. Like God, mm -hmm. God you're sovereign. God, you, <laughs> you are outside of my comprehension. 
and yet you still desire like there is it puts you in the right frame of mind and puts you in the right humble posture right to then be able to engage in god in conversation and then you have um your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven so this idea of the first thing we ask for is god's will yeah the first thing we ask for is for god's um his plan to be enacted yeah. um and then it goes give us this day our daily bread um, which is kind of like, these are the things that I need. Yeah. Um, and then it goes, forgive us our debts if we, as we have forgiven um, our debtors. Yeah. And it's this idea of like, God, um, not only forgive me um, my sin, but also help me to forgive um, those who have sinned against yeah. me. Help me show the forgiveness that you give me to others. Yeah. Um, and then finally, lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. And the whole idea there is just kind of like asking God, for the most important thing, yeah. which is help, help keep me in relationship with you. Help yeah. keep me going towards you. Um, and the last part actually isn't in the gospels, but it's, there's nothing theologically wrong with it. So it's like, in thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Like yeah. no one will argue that, but yeah. it was, that was added in. Yeah, so almost, true. almost certainly. Cause it's a good way to end it. Yeah. I mean, Hey, so, amen. but the other thing too, to think about the, like this prayer is that it's, it's also reminding you of who God is and and what he does it reminds you that he's sovereign it reminds you that he's the provider it reminds you that he's the the source of forgiveness it reminds it reminds you that he's the one that has a plan and a purpose um and so as you're as we're taking on like in taking to heart what jesus is saying in these words it's not just like okay i'm going to say the static prayer but it's going to it's uh, what do i need in the moments like god i need your kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven i need your power i need your plan i need your will to prevail because i'm not seeing how it's going to play out you know, I, I'm give us this day our daily bread. Like it's God, you know what I need. And so God, thankful and thank you to that you are the provider. Like you are the one who gives us and covers every aspect of what I need. You in Matthew said, like, so we're just reminded of those things that this this is not just a, a, a verbatim prayer we're supposed to pray, but it's actually a framework to recognize like as we come before God, we're posturing ourselves in humility, recognizing he is not just sovereign, but he's everything, the source of everything we need. Yep. Uh, and I think that's the power of the prayer. So it's not about the words we pray, but it's about the framework with which Jesus is teaching and training his followers to then how to pray as you come in before who God is. It's that that posture that presents it as well. So there you go. That's why. And so it goes out of vogue because it, it, anything that becomes routine becomes static and becomes heartless. And and I say that really carefully, but it's if I were to tell my wife without paying attention, hey, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. But I, there's days I fall into that. But then I stop and remember like, man, this is why I love you. It takes that, that it recalibrates my heart to remember uh, why I love her as much as I do. So it's, it's getting, it's helping to remove out of the static is, is the whole point of Jesus' prayer. Right. It's not to give us the, the. And I think, I think that's one, because um, we, we would belong to a church. I would, I would classify, I don't know what would you say, like evangelical, um, kind of like new. I don't even know what the word would be, but we're, I, I we're, think we're like that evangelical charismatic. We're not Pentecostal right? in, but, in the truest form of that, but. I guess what I'm saying is like, we're not, you, we're not traditional church in the sense of like, um, Oh, the, then yeah, we yeah, would be, be classified evangelical. Yeah. However you want to say it. But basically here's my point. Um, I think there was a large push in church history to, um, make relationship with God more, more real in the sense of like, we're not just going to repeat these things over and over again, but it actually is a true relationship yeah. where we're praying, we're asking things, which I think is very good. Yeah. Um, I think sometimes what you can get is like a baby out with a bathwater thing where you like all traditions are pointless. Like, well, no, like, like communion is a great example of one where like, I think yeah. um, it's very helpful to continually remember the sacrifice of Christ. Like baptism is another tradition. I think is incredibly important. Mm -hmm. um, and I would even link into those places like the Lord's prayer, I think is something that um, doesn't necessarily need to be thrown out. I think 
older music is healthier, just be, or not healthier. It's healthy to remember yeah, like, Hey, sure. there was Christians that existed more than like five years ago, yeah. <laughs> like that sort of stuff. Um, and so it, it's a balance. It really is. Cause you can also make it just really old and stale and nobody likes it. Um, but you can also make it to where you kind of just like thrown away, um, the history of redemption yep. that we have in the church. Yeah, totally agree. All right. Well, on that note, um, Aaron has to go pick up his son from preschool. Yeah, so my son's three. He's th- in preschool. I have to go get him. So question two, we're going to save uh, for next week, but it's about, it's about Ham, Shem, and Japheth, the sons, sons of Noah. Yes. So a, a little a little tease, if you yes. will. Uh, so stay tuned. But that wraps it up for uh, another episode of Let's Read the Bible. Just a reminder, we are a podcast of the Grove Church, but we are not the only podcast of the Grove Church. You can find all of our other podcasts and our resources is on our website at grove.church. Have a great day.